this is a dumb aside, but have you seen those like uh, TikTok reels of you know bodybuilders or, or powerlifters when they see how much proteins in dog food? <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, they like look at the nutrition facts and they're like, oh, they just like start pouring it and start chewing it down. It's like, That's actually funny. Do anything for the for the protein. <laughs> the protein. Anything for the protein, except maybe man flesh. That's right. Um Welcome, my lords, to the Well-Earned Comfort Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Seth. Thank you for joining us on the Walls of Isengard as we explore the many works of Tolkien and, of course, discuss life. We're glad to have you as part of the Fellowship as there's no telling where we'll be swept off to. And we've had a quick turnaround from our last podcast. It's only been one week since our last time getting to talk together. Uh, I'm here with my brother, Seth. He's over there in Michigan. How the heck are you? What's going on? You're looking great. Ah, yes, I know. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, I will say this is a pretty quick turnaround. I'm glad it worked out this way. It's pretty rare for us to be able to do two weeks in a row. But hey, we're we're coming up close to the end of the story. And it's, I don't know, you, you kind of just want to like bust through it in a way. But uh, it's also yeah, really absolutely. exciting to to get to the end of it. Because it's, I don't know, it's been a great story so far. And I can't wait to dive in. But uh, as a whole, honestly, just just working the last little bit and amanda and i were at home depot she's got a project that she's starting we bought a big planter uh and we're gonna try to grow some tomatoes and herbs and all that kind of stuff so she's she's doing a bunch of research on what to throw in there to make the soil uh i don't know what you'd say viable for for plant growth (laughs) so uh yeah that's the weather's finally nice enough to do something like that. So we're going to dive into that and see how it goes. Yeah, that's awesome. It's uh, one of those things that uh, planting and, and growing mom always tried. And mom, I know you'll probably be listening to this at some point. You did a good job. You tried hard, but it just <laughs> never worked out. She was um, great at flowers. Yeah. We used we to, I don't, know if you re- I don't know if you remember this, but we used to have a garden back where the tree is that you bought. I think you bought it for Sarah's birthday, the apple tree. Yeah. But that used yeah, to be Of course I remember that. Yeah. yeah that, was, I... that was Nate's mom's, uh, Miss Linda's gift to mom. Remember? Like she cleared it all out for her and got it started for her and we all did it together. And then obviously it just kind of slowly disintegrated into weeds and grossness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, dad and I used to actually, dad had that rotor tiller that was, it would chew up the ground. Um, yep. I don't know if you remember that. I think it was green, but yeah, we had corn a couple of times, corn and peas. I don't really know if we yeah. were successful with much else. <laughs> we had some good sunflowers back there too. Yeah. Mom did do well with her sunflowers. That's for sure. Which apparently like I heard this, I don't know, maybe two years ago, a year or two ago, mom doesn't like, she likes sunflowers, but they're not her favorite. Did you know that? I mean, why was our entire kitchen growing up? sunflowers <laughs> i don't know i remember having a Mom, conversation with her we she need said, answers exactly she said something along the lines of like oh somebody just saw me wearing the sunflower thing at one point and assumed it was my favorite and then all of a sudden it just kind of exploded or blossomed if you will <laughs> into nice. a sunflower obsession and i was like you're kidding me like this whole time she's like well i love the <laughs> color yellow and it's nice but it's not my favorite. i think it was when she was like replacing the kitchen and like the countertops and everything. I'm like, you're going to get rid of those like sunflower yellow countertops. Like I, I didn't really have that much tie to them. <laughs> Very surprised. Yeah. Yeah. That's surprising. Well, well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Hopefully you guys will do well in that and grow some, some yummy goodies for y'all that aren't full of hormones and pesticides and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amanda, it's something Amanda's really wanted to do. And so it was finally like, all right, there's a spot for it. I dug up a couple of old bushes there's a nice spot right in the sun that we can utilize. So That's we'll great. see how it goes. But how about you? What's uh how's Ariel been? What's uh little Baron doing? He's just kicking. <laughs> He's doing well. Uh, we are not gardening as much. I did rip out a bunch of uh, weeds and stuff a couple weeks ago. Ariel's just afraid of spiders and doesn't care to <laughs> do anything. We did try to do lettuce once, but that didn't work. Um, but that's Do you have weeds for, and for like dandelions and stuff that grow. A lot of dandelions, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna save you a bunch of time and oh, effort. Boy. 
go on Amazon. There's this thing called Grandpa's Weeder. <laughs> it's the weird, like, believe me, it's the coolest weeder. I spent like an hour going out in the backyard, just picking out all the weeds in our entire lawn in like an hour. And okay. it like reaches into the ground and you use leverage to pull it out from the root. So you actually get rid of it. And oh. it works so well. It was like 30 bucks on Amazon. It's called Grandpa's Weeder. So if you have weeds, go buy it. You will thank me. I'm not kidding. It's a cheat code. Just so everyone knows, we're not sponsored by Grandpa's Weeders. Seth is just very passionate about to, Grandpa's If they <laughs> want to. Use promo code Weller and Comforts for 10%. <laughs> for absolutely nothing at checkout. For absolutely nothing. That's right. Oh, yes. I'll look into that. I'll look into Grandpa's Weeder. Yeah, that might yes. be easier. We did go through and like pluck off like the heads of all the dandelions so they didn't spread. And that actually helped. I did that like right as they first started sprouting, but that took forever. So right. maybe Grandpa's Weeder. That same amount of time you faster. took plucking them, you would have been able to completely remove them from ever growing back. Yeah, that sounds Grandpa's better. Weeder. <laughs> Grandpa's Weeder. <laughs> Other than that, man, we're we're good. Ariel's doing great. This is 26 weeks today um, of pregnancy, and she's just cruising. She is she's honestly amazing. Like she's been working out so much in addition to feeling like absolute crap and just being super tired. Uh, we've been going on like multiple mile walks. She did 110 flights of the stair stepper the other day at the gym. Oh. Like she's still lifting and stuff. Yeah. And then she complains like she's not doing enough. I'm like, Ariel, you are doing more than any other pregnant woman like on the planet right now. Like, how do you not feel good about this? And, well, I, I, I could do more before. It's like, yeah, but you, you're, you're growing a child growing inside you. Exactly. And so, but that's, you know, it's really cool to, to just do that with her. We're going to go to the gym right after this too, when she gets off work, it's her last day officially with students. Um, so she'll have the whole summer off and I think that'll be awesome for her just to be able to yeah, get kind of nest a little bit and get the house ready. We're, we're going to paint the nursery here in a bit and just get things ready for, for all that. But yeah, the, just kind of gearing up for a busy season for me though, because we have our beach week trip June 5th through the 9th to South Carolina with uh, over 120 high schoolers just that I'm responsible for. Then I leave for Africa on the 15th of June and I'm gone oh, until really? the 25th. Yeah, we're nice. going back to Musana. I'm taking some high schoolers um, from our church and going to Musana. And so I'll be gone for 10 days there. Then we get back and a couple of days after that, we go to Virginia for Ariel's family's yearly vacation for about eight days. And what then we have a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to be going... Like near Williamsburg, I think. Um, so like Colonial Williamsburg. And Rachel? That's the plan. At least have dinner yeah. or something with them once. Nice. Um, yeah. They, they actually, they're going to be staying here on their way up to see you guys. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. They asked that's if awesome. they could, you know, stop here and hang out. It's like, yeah, absolutely. So I think that's the plan. They're going to stay here a night and uh, then see you guys. I don't remember when they said they were going to do that, but um, it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. But yeah, just a busy, busy summer. Most of June, I will not be in the state, which is just weird. <laughs> yeah, that's I've never traveled for a job and you actually do that for summers. That's got to be interesting. It is. I mean, it's kind of cool in, in some ways. Like, I'm really excited for the for the trip to Musana. Um, not not as much for <laughs> Beach Week. I mean, it'll be it'll be a good time. Like, that's it's a lot of a lot of fun that happens there. But it's just also I mean, you're just terrified of the darndest things that kids do or they're getting in trouble or making sure that they're, you know, not doing stupid stuff. Um, sure. You know, dealing with parents who are getting like, well, my kid says that they're not having a good time. <laughs> it's like, ah, sorry. But yeah. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things. It's kind of a grind, but you, you really do see some fruit afterwards. Like last year, I mean, you came back from the trip and Ariel baptized a bunch of her students and like, you get to see the fruit of, of just the literally 24 hours a day for five days straight. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of work but yeah other than that we are rocking and rolling getting ready for baby and uh, baby baron and all the all the fun that comes with that so yeah it's exciting that's a busy time for you guys because right after your summer slows down from that it'll speed up with a newborn <laughs> exactly yep so uh we are hopefully prepared i don't know but <laughs> i'm trying to uh, i'm changing up my workouts a little bit i'm doing more running um i coworker Ian, he's doing a 5k a day in May. So, and he's done every single day uh, for 26 days. He's done a 5k. So I've been running with him twice a week and doing at least three to four miles um, nice. on those runs. So 
just kind of switching it up a little bit. That's fun. You look like you've leaned down a little bit, so it's uh, I don't know about extra that. Cardio is paying <laughs> off. Uh, I'm I'm I'd like to go down a little bit more. I'd like to lean down a little bit more, but oh, you're on your way. Yeah. All right. Shall we jump into some riddles in the dark? Let's do it. All right. So let's see if I can get past three words this time around, rather than <laughs> Seth getting it and you know first three words. I'm, I'm I was pretty impressed with myself. I'll be honest. <laughs> Again, always so humble. Okay, well, since you are so uh, confident in yourself, I've got one for you that I'm pretty sure you will not get. You ready? Mm, Okay. I'm just going to give you one sentence. That's all you get. (laughs) Okay. Turn your face from the green world and look where all seems barren and cold. Ah. I love that face. I see. That's so great. It's that because it's like, I have no idea. I don't know. Mm. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> hold on turn your face from the green earth green world green world where it's and look all where all seems barren and cold man is there anything I, i'll admit you got me here <laughs> is there any other sentence that you can give me that might steer me in the right yeah direction? yeah so the sentence right before it says this the tree in the court of the fountain is still withered and barren. When shall I see a sign that it will ever be otherwise? Uh, I want to say that that's Aragorn speaking to somebody. Yes. About the tr- the white tree of of Gondor or uh-huh. Minas Tirith. But who is he speaking to Elrond? No. Wait. Is he is he talking in reference to the paths of the dead? No, not at all. No. No, you were on the you were on the right track earlier. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. It, the The one before that is Aragorn for sure. But yeah, the second sentence I said was Aragorn, which was the first sentence. And then the second, you know, the follow up to that, turn your face from the green world and look where all seems barren and cold. Is then Aragorn that... turned, and there was a stony slope behind him, running down from the skirts of the snow. And as he looked, he was aware that alone there in the waste was a growing oh, thin stew. Oh, this is at the very end when he's up at the peak of the mountain with Gandalf. Yeah, oh, there you go. Okay. Wow, that's an obscure one for sure. <laughs> I did. Yeah, because I best. remember he's asking Gandalf for like where it's going to be a sign, and then he see he mm-hmm. finds the sapling. Oh my god, that's a good one. That is a very difficult one. Ah, take that. And by that I mean good job. You you did eventually get um <laughs> I mean, All right. That, that's a hard one. You can uh do your worst to me, but actually don't make it as hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think this one's okay. Oh boy. Um I don't like it when you laugh. He was not held long, and hobbits have an amazing power of recovery. The memory, or the horror of it, will probably fade quickly. I mean, that's probably Gandalf talking to Elrond about being stabbed, uh, Frodo being stabbed on Weathertop. No. Well, you did one of these, like, maybe, kind of... You got the character correct, but... So it is Gandalf talking? Correct. Okay. (sighs) So it's not Fellowship of the Ring? Too quickly, perhaps. <sighs> no, it's not the fellowship. He was not held long, and hobbits have an amazing power of recovery. The memory, or the horror of it, will probably fade quickly. Too quickly, perhaps. Hmm. So Gandalf's speaking, and it's not the fellowship of the ring, so... Oh! Oh! Is this when, after Pippin looked into the... um? The Palantir? Yes, indeed. Nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was like, when other time is Gandalf talking about a, a hobbit? And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Gandalf talking about a hobbit's ability to recover quickly is, it could be like a million different things <laughs> because he does it. Um, he does it at the end of the battle of uh, Minas Tirith when yep. talking about Merry and Pippin. He does it yep. at this point. He does it. I'm sure at Weathertop, like he just always yeah. is coming back to that. So, mm. 
Yeah, well done. Halfling's well done. Life. Thank you. Thank you. Wait, so that would be the, I guess that would be the third book. Well, technically book five, maybe? No. Four? Whatever two towers, like whatever number. Technically, that, that would be book two. Or not two towers. Um, Return of the King. Doesn't what? he look in the planter? He looks at the planter, the Return of the King. The third oh, book. does he? Uh, yeah, I, mm, yeah. I'm getting the books and movies mixed up. I think it might yeah, still. It's after, but I think that happens in the two towers in the book. The mm. book is the two towers, but the movie is the Return of the King, I believe. The name of the chapter is the Palantir. You're right. Wow, that's book three, the very end of the two towers it, portion of like the. Right before, before they switches go into... over to Frodo and Sam. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I keep forgetting the changes in the movies and all that kind of stuff. But Yeah, the books versus the movies is different. Definitely. Well, good. That was a pretty good uh, Riddles in the Dark version. Uh, on to Tidings from the Fellowship, and I'm so excited that we have searched far and wide. We have gotten back a letter from <laughs> uh, some far corner in Middle Earth of one of our fellowship and it's our good friend andrew he's doing well he kind of gave us a little update on uh his what's going on in his life and it's pretty amazing uh he asked to just kind of share his thoughts on on the book but it's pretty cool just some of the connections that andrew has to to some of us too it's it's cool when you find something you enjoy like tolkien and then just other things that we seem to have in common as well pretty pretty cool but uh, I'll I'll read kind of his letter, his thoughts on children of Hurin specifically and what's going on with Turin. Uh, but then I'll let Seth read the second part of his email because uh, Seth, I think, will have some really good thoughts on uh, what he has to say here. So this is from Andrew, our good friend. And he says, I'm just now reading through chapter 10. I read the chapters and then I'm getting through each episode with you two while working. That's awesome. I'm glad we can add a little bit of joy, hopefully, to your your work time. Um, I don't know if you're still on chapter 10, so you might be a little bit far behind, but uh, regardless, glad to have you on the on the journey. He continues to say, this guy, uh, Turin, he says, poor Turin, this guy is just trying to live a life and start something somewhat anew. He wants to have friends and family, but he's slowly realizing there's a continual way of how things will go for him. Maybe things will look up. We shall see. And he did say he's he's read this book before, so he understands what's going to happen what has already happened over the last couple of chapters um, from chapter 10 but yeah you're spot on Andrew he's like we've talked about over and over and over he just can't seem to catch a break he wants something new he wants something fresh he just wants family and friends and yet the shadow never 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 leaves him yeah the shadow never leaves him and when it starts to or he has a chance to defy it his pride generally gets in the way um, <laughs> so Oh man, poor Turin indeed. I, I completely agree with that. He's like, yeah, this poor guy. Um, so then he uh, he goes on to say just about Tolkien's writings in general. He says, something that stands out to me is that Tolkien is able to write such different stories and mean it. This story doesn't seem to have characters that one can hang on to and dream about being on a journey with or get to know again and again by re by reading the story. This is a story of old and some emotional moments in it. Whereas the Third Age stories he wrote have lots of detail and characters that make you want to repeat an adventure or find out more about them. Neither way is right or wrong. It's just an interesting to be able to see each side of Tolkien and different stories in the same world. Um, and I, that's very well said. I think really what this comes down to is the fact that Tolkien was one person and had one lifetime to write all these stories. And... Mm. He, he says, I forget what it is, if it's at the beginning of the, of the Fellowship or something about his, his motives in writing The Lord of the Rings, it was basically like, I wanted to try my hand at a really long story. Mm. Um, and so that's why he wrote Lord of the Rings, was to try his hand at a long story. Whereas with the First Age material, it's much more fragmented. It's a, it's, it's a mythology yeah. with incomplete histories, basically. Um, sure. But it, it, he, may, he, he really does make a good point where it's a lot of these characters, you can't really, you don't really get to know them the same way you do the Third Age characters. Although I feel like with Turin, we've gotten to know him pretty well. But as a sure. whole, the First Age stories are much, much more fragmented and just kind of an overview as opposed to great detail about motives and everything for all the characters. Yeah, and I really like what he said about how, you know, these aren't characters you just want to jump on the journey with. Like, I, I definitely don't want to go and 
Turin's journey <laughs> and what he's doing. Um, yeah. But also just some of the side characters. There's so many like little side characters within this story. You know, you look at Gwendor, you look at Brandir, you look at Dorlas, you look at Meme, like just all these little side characters throughout that. Yeah, it's not somebody you don't just like tag team and go on a journey with these guys. And I mean, you would have probably wanted to do that with Beleg, but then he kills Beleg. <laughs> and so, right. You know, a little bit of Game of Thrones uh, approach there, I guess. You know, kill off some of your favorite characters. But yeah, it's it's definitely a much different ty- style of writing and even just a whole different kind of story. Um, but I think like to what you said, Andrew, it's shows the range of such an incredible writer, somebody who has such uh, passion for this world in general, you know, and being able to bring that to light and showing, yeah, it's it's not the it's not the the fairy tale ending that I've written before. It's something different. So I appreciate you, Andrew. Thank you for sending in your Tolkien story. I really appreciate that. And thank you for sending in your letter on uh, Children of Hurin as well. Uh, we appreciate hearing from you and hope to hear from you again. Hopefully, as you continue to go along and as you're working, you know, you'll be able to enjoy this tragedy. It is a tragedy, but it's a, it's a fun one to go through. So thank you, Andrew. And for anyone else listening who would love for we'd, we'd love to hear your thoughts and so send them in weck podcast at gmail.com wec podcast and we'll read it here and uh hopefully have some dialogue around it too it's really cool seeing what you, uh, you you brought up andrew that's a really good point so yeah thanks for those insights really enjoyed them yeah absolutely absolutely so we're gonna jump into the meat and potatoes of today's podcast and i gotta say like i texted seth this morning i was like you know this it's a good chapter because there's some good dialogue but not a whole lot happens. And the chapter name is kind of deceiving. The Coming of Glaurong. Like, I got kind of excited when I started reading this. Like, all right, here we go. Here's the dragon. And yet, as we'll see, uh, that's not exactly the case. Um, but to summarize kind of way. where we left off. Way. Yeah, yeah, he's on. I guess it is the coming of, you know, you, you'd think that's like a present tense, not like a, uh, I don't know. Like, you think it's like, oh, he's here. Not he's slowly embarking and making it happen. Like, oh, fair enough. I don't know. But uh, a little quick summary of our last episode where we left off uh, with Turin, as he's known now as Turinbar. He married his sister. Gross. Uh, his sister, Neonor, or has he renamed her Nino? And uh, he told Nino that he would no longer go to battle and risk his life like he used to, because he now finds the family. I mean, just like what Andrew said, he's been searching for this friendship. He's got friends within the woodsman of Brethel, and now he's got this family um and his and his wife's sister Nianel. and so you know, he told her i'm not gonna you know i'll hang up the the sword i'm not gonna go to battle because i want to be with you and i just want to like grow our lives together you know just foster our home and security that way so uh pretty pretty cool for him you know you finally see a little glimpse of peace um, but Seth Seth made a good note in the doc. Like, I wonder if Hurin knew this. Like, he just married his sister. And I mean, if he's watching this, because if you remember from the very beginning of the book, Morgoth's curse for Hurin was he like pretty much chains him to this throne and gives him the foresight to see everything that's happening to Turin. And so if he's seeing everything that's happening to Turin, he's seeing uh, everything that happens to Turin. Well, the curse is against, you know, Hurin's whole family. And yeah. Neonor Neniel is even part of that. So he's been exactly. watching Neniel's journey throughout all of this too. And he's probably just like, oh, there she goes. She uh is under the dragon breath and has amnesia. What could go wrong? Oh shoot, she ran into Turin. <laughs> um ah crap. Like <laughs> Yeah. It's just weird. Yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> uh, but in this chapter. As we move forward, we see the reach of Morgoth's hand as it grows longer, as he's using uh, Glaurung to push further into Beleriand. So he's wanting to take control of this land, and he, uh, Glaurung, kind of he takes on the mantle of, of King of Nargothrond. Uh, Tolkien says he's the he was the Dragon King of Nargothrond, and he commanded armies of orcs to do his bidding. And he knew about the remnant of men that le- were left in Brethel, and that, that they were the last house of men. So if you remember, there's three houses of men, the house of Beor, uh, which was destroyed primarily during the Dagor Braglak or the Battle of Sudden Flame. And Baron was the last of that line. Then you have the house of Hador, which was destroyed during the Near Nyth Arnoidiad or the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. That was kind of at the very beginning of the book in which we saw Hurin and Huror uh, were captured and Huror was actually killed. And so then we have the house of Haleth. And that was the very last uh, bit. And this was uh, diminished due to all these battles and yet still the remnant uh, were there in the forest of Brethel and Brandir, their lord, is the son of. Uh, no, I'm not like you. Handir, I believe. Handir, Handir, yeah. 
So that's like the last bit of men. If it rhymes or Brander, Hander, Aragorn, Arathorn, like, I mean, who are in chance you could just make up a name and (laughs) son of so and so. Brander, son of uh, Gandir. It wouldn't sound wrong. (laughs) It wouldn't. You're right. You're right. He does have a way of it. So. So that's where we are. You know, we have Turin with the remnant of of the men of, of Brethil and Glaurung knowing, okay, this is the last remnant of men and it's my job to completely wipe out men from the face of the earth. And so as news came to Brethil about these, the coming of the orcs, um, Turin actually didn't get out and go fight like he normally would. Normally Turin would be like, all right, cool, let me grab Girthang and just start you know, teaching these orcs a lesson and showing them, hey, the Black Sword is here. He doesn't do that. Niniel convinces him to stay saying, hey, don't don't do that. Our home isn't in danger yet. You don't have to go on the offensive. You can defend us if it comes to it, but right now let's just enjoy it. Like she's like, let's just enjoy our lives together in the home that we built. Yeah. If you remember, uh, Turin basically told her in last week's episode, he said, I will not take up my sword again, aside from protecting you and our family. Um, so that's kind of what Sam is explaining. Um, and however, you know, without Turin, the woodsmen really struggled, and Tolkien describes these orcs as fell breed, fierce and cunning. Uh, they invaded the woods of Brethil, and they pushed back Dorlas and his men, and forced them all to flee. And so these orcs are, in this chapter, Tolkien explains that these orcs are actually meant to go into Brethil and overtake the men, as opposed to before they were just kind of errand runners, or hunting parties, or they weren't it wasn't a, a set goal of destroying the men of Brethel. So these orcs are a little different. It kind of made me thinking the description reminds me a little bit of the Urukai from, from the third age. Um, yeah. And I wonder if they're kind of like a precursor breed to the Urukai somehow. Um, I don't know. At some point I'd love to like, I don't know, maybe do a whole episode on just the origin of orcs and how they're bred or how they, cause yeah, to be it's like, so Oh, this is a different amazing. breed. Like, where do they come from? Is that Morgoth just being like, oh, I'm going to twist a little bit more. I'm going to put a little bit more muscle in these guys. I'm going to make them do a bit more deadlifts, more squats, get out there and, and go beat up some men. Or, I mean, like, how does this work? I, I don't I don't get it. Pretty sure he fed man flesh to one and just regular <laughs> chicken meat to the other ones. I mean. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, but... you, just, this is a dumb aside, but have you seen those, like, uh, TikTok reels of you know, bodybuilders or, or powerlifters when they see how much protein's in dog food? <laughs> No, I haven't. They like look oh, at the nutrition man. facts and they're like, oh, they just like start pouring it and start chewing it down. Like, <laughs> That's actually anything funny. for the for the protein. <laughs> the protein. Anything for the protein, except maybe pink right. flesh. Um <laughs> so anyways, getting back on track here. Uh <laughs> because of this, like like Sam was saying, Dorlas is kind of the leader now because Turin is refusing to go forward. And so he comes to Turin and basically just says like, Hey, you need to help us fight. Look at all these wounds I have. I've been, you know, I've been just destroyed by all these different wounds. And he's basically like, Hey, we rescued you. You claim to be one of us, but now you're not going to help defend us. And we really need help. Cause this isn't the same as it used to be. And eventually Turin is like, all right, uh, I need to step in here. I need to save these woodsmen, which a quick aside, it's kind of cool to, have that much confidence in yourself like <laughs> all right yeah i'll fight because i know that i'm the one that can actually save everybody like i'm that yeah good. yeah um so he picks up his black sword if you remember um the black sword of nargothrond is who he was so he's known by this sword by Gorthang. and he he jumps right back into the fray and just destroys the orcs. He gathered um, a few hundred strong. So a decent force of the men of Brathil came and joined him and they basically treated him as their leader in all but name. Um, so mm-hmm. he commanded things yet again and Brandir kind of took a back seat. Um, however, he is known by his sword. And so at this point, he the few orcs that do escape that run back to Nargothron, Glaurung now knows where Turin is. Um, yep. So even if he wasn't, even if he kind of guessed where Turin was in Brethil and he wasn't sure, now he knows for sure. He's like, the Black Sword is in Brethil. Yep. Big and so, yes, exactly. Um, and so at these victories, everybody was happy and was praising Turin. And, you know, it seemed like, okay, we beat the orcs back. We're good for a while. Um, and Niniel was actually very comforted by it. But Turin, he knew better because he knew that 
the the sword would give him away and this is a direct quote and i this is fascinating the way he he thinks to himself i can just imagine people you know there's a big barbecue and around a fire and they're all celebrating and having us you know giant meal and hey we're alive we outstood the orcs and turin's just kind of off to the side thinking to himself and he says mm-hmm. the die is cast now comes the test in which my boast shall be made or good or made good or fail utterly i will flee no more Turambar i uh, indeed i will be and by my own will and my prowess i will surmount my doom or fall but failing falling or riding gorthang at least i will slay Glaurong. So, what did i say he said gorthang <laughs> what whoops yeah Glaurong <laughs> at least i will slay um with Glaur or with goodness, with goodness. <laughs> <laughs> they're too similar. <laughs> uh, good try, um, good try. <laughs> so yeah, basically, he's like, I know better. This is gonna, in the end, this ends with me against Glaurung. Like, there's no yeah. way around it. It's me against Glaurung. Um, and he knows that he's just provoking Glaurung by killing off the orcs and everything. And it's an interesting how he says. By my own will and prowess, I will surmount my dune. By falling or riding, Glaurong at least I will slay. Like he's he's again. Like I don't want to just tell, just say the guy's like super arrogant. But maybe that's like, hey, I only I'm the one that can do this because I can't put any of these other guys up to the test or something. I mean, I know later on he he asked for help a little bit, but he's again saying like this is on me. The weight of the world is on my shoulders. I'm the only one that can make a change here and. I don't know. I think, it's it's. I think part yeah. of that is because he named himself Turambar, and he says Turambar, indeed, I will be, which means master mm, of doom. Yeah, and so he's basically like, all right, I named myself this. Now it's time to live up to the name I gave myself. Hmm. Yeah. That's kind of how it, I interpret it. Yeah, that's a that's that's a good way to 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 view it. I guess I just was looking at it like he's. It's just such a lonely life he's living. Like, yeah, he's got his sister wife now. He's got like family and friends, but he still has this idea. Like he still knows it's going to come down to me dealing with this doom. Like I'm going to have to take it on. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of the same as like Harry Potter, right? I mean, sure. Harry Potter knows that in the, well, I guess he doesn't completely know until the end of the story, but he always kind of has a sense that it's him versus Voldemort in the end. Right. Even if he doesn't yeah. know the details yet. So it's kind of the same thing where it's like he can still sure. try to love people around him and make friends and start a family, but he knows his ultimate doom. Sure. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Well, yeah, I don't know. Um, and like we mentioned earlier, at, at this point in time, Tour and Turambar is basically the Lord of Breath Hill. Um, no one really took heed of Brandir anymore. In fact, some people scorned him because he was lame and unable to partake in their battles. Um, and so the winter passed and just like most places, not much battling happens during the winter and spring came, um, and there had been peace ever since Turin took up the sword and pushed the orcs back. Uh, and the men sang as they worked. And, uh, so everybody's celebrating. Everybody thinks that their lives are, are going well. And Nianel actually becomes pregnant. She conceived and is now pregnant with, uh, I'm trying to think of some, (sighs) Would it technically be her father uncle at that point? Uh, yeah, f- mm, father, c- yeah, father cousin, like, father, like father Nianel's child would be, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, Nianel's child or, would be Turin the, would be the, his her father or his father and uncle. Yeah, that's yeah, just weird to think about. It's real, real, real yeah. weird. <sighs> Yuck. I mean, you're from Kentucky. I figured you'd have. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering how long it was going to take. Of course. I'm not from Kentucky. I'm (laughs) from Colorado. Uh huh. I mean, I just figured you'd have a deeper understanding of these things, but. They they draw the line at first cousins. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Moving on. Um, (laughs) So, again, does Huron see all this? Is he aware of it? Like. Huron's like, okay, this is my grandchild plus I don't even know. I'm not even going to go there. The lineage lineage of that is just too confusing, but um, kind of makes me wonder too, like is Morgoth grossed out or is he sitting over there like, (laughs) my plan is working? Like, 
I, yeah, it's I mean, just... if if I parallel Morgoth with Satan, I imagine Satan would be like, oh, sweet, this is exactly what I want. You know, just the most yeah. unnatural form of conception that, you know, but I don't know. I guess Morgoth is there's I shouldn't compare like like that, but at the same time, it's uh, real it's, weird. That is real <laughs> <It's> weird. weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways. <laughs> trying to move past that as best as we can, even though it's challenging. Um, Tolkien mentioned that Niniel's happiness was actually pretty diminished, and at this time, uh, reports started coming to the men of Brethil that there was smoke rising and a great burning, and Turin knows that that means it's the coming of Glaurung. Um, And so he actually sends some people forward as scouts to just kind of scope things out, and, and they return saying, like, it's him for sure. We've seen him. He's terrifying. He's straighted, headed straight for Ethel Brandir, which is the location that their that their camp is at. Um, and they say, I forget exactly how he phrases it, but it's like his stench is almost gonna kill us or something like that. Um, and so the way I kind of picture this in my head is you, if you look at the map, um, Nargothrond is kind of in the south west-ish corner of of Beleriand and the yeah. forest of Brethils to their north and east. And I just, if you pick those two points, I imagine just a straight line of pure, like a controlled burn, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Um, just yeah. A, a straight line of just burn, charred ashes everywhere that just smells bad with smoke. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I'm thinking of. Um, but see as, as odd as it sounds, it's actually comforting to Turin that he, that uh, Glaurung is coming in a straight line because his whole plan actually relies on him remaining on this on this course that course and not deviating from it. Yeah, but obviously the scouts coming back, you know, talking about the craziness of what they've seen brought a lot of fear to everybody and you know they were starting to get nervous so like oh my gosh we've had so much fun like seeing it as we work we have peace and now Glarong is coming and it's terrifying and so Turin kind of takes up that leadership mantle again like Brandier he's not talking he's not doing anything for anyone so Turin's like hey guys you know it's a, it's okay like he kind of gives them a little speech and Tolkien says like they were their hearts were calmed with the steadfast bearing of his words um, so it's that word again the steadfastness uh, yeah. the Turin uh, poses uh, and some time passes on and there's some more uh, dialogue, but then, you know, there's more concern about the dragon. So Turin gathers some of his men and, and he spoke again concerning the dragon. Turin once wanted to encourage his fighters, his warriors and saying that, you know, the dragon is conquerable. Like we can beat him. And he goes on to tell, kind of retell the story of the battle of a number of tears. He said, you know, when some of us were small children, like this is what happened the dwarves of Belagast, uh, the king Asgahal, like he was able to actually pierce the belly of the serpent of Glaurung and like kind of, so it's, it's possible that he can be beaten. And so he, he drew his sword, Turin did, and, and he pointed it to the sky, his black sword, uh, Girthing, and just kind of, again, we see this, the valor kind of shine through Turin as he's standing there, pointed sword in hand, and everyone was kind of amazed. And, you know, he does this big speech. He's like, you know, who's going to come with me? You know, I'm going to go take on the dragon. I'm going to fight him on his turf or like a middle ground. Like who's coming with me? And then I kind of just imagine like he gets this like big old thing. There's great valor. They're amazed. And then you just hear the crickets. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> like, mm, yeah, I don't I don't know if that's what I signed up for. Um, but Dorlas, he actually he stood up and he said, I'll, I'll come forth. I'll I'll be a part of your party because he said he'd rather go forward than wait for a foe, which I kind of like, you know, there's, I think yeah. there's a lot of life lessons and, and something like that. You know, there's the old adage, like, you know, Buffalo run through the storm. Like they run towards the storm and not away from it. Cattle run away from the storm and then they're in the storm longer. Whereas Buffalo or bison, they just run straight through the storm to get it over with faster. And so I've that's kind of what I imagine. Really? You've never heard that? Uh-uh. That's cool. Yeah, it's though. like a, it's it's like a pastor's favorite sermon analogy, but <laughs> well, yeah. So the idea know. that the idea that Dorlas is just like I'm just going to go forward, and whether we beat him or whether I die, it, it beats running away or waiting for for the foe. And so he joins in, and you know, it kind of looks around. Nobody else is coming. So Dorlas actually sp- he speaks and he kind of calls everybody out. You know, he's like, "Come on, guys, what the heck? Like we're we're the the people of of Handir. Like is nobody going to?" come and do this is nobody gonna be valiant and he he actually calls out brandier 
and saying like, who's going to take the son, the place of the son of Handir? Cause obviously Brandir can't fight. He's lame, but he's also been counseling everybody not to go fight anyway. And so he's kind of calling him out. He's, he's saying, Hey, we shouldn't listen to this guy anymore. His counsel's kind of been in vain. So let's go. Like who's, who's going to replace him? Be the, be the next guy, next guy in line. And then, so that other guy come, comes up, his name is Hunthor, one of Brander's kin actually, but he actually rebukes Dorlos. And he's like, dude, yeah. you shouldn't talk about your Lord like that. Like, this is your lead. You, you've served this guy for a long time. Like, how dare you? But he understood the, the importance of stopping Glaurung. So, you know, he asked Brander, Hey, with your leave, I will join Turin and Dorloth, uh, Dorlos to go fight the, the dragon. And again, you, you just imagine like t- t- Tolkien even says, Brander's just kind of sitting on his little chair, watching all this go down. And he, his pride was slighted. Like he was just, I can't believe all this is happening. I've told everybody to stop fighting, to stop going out, to stop trying to be brave and nobody's listening to me. And so he allowed Hunthor to go and to rep- represent the house of Howlith. Um, but he, he didn't give his leave to, to Dorlas. He said, go as you will, but you don't have my leave kind of thing. Yeah. So then Turin, he's like, okay, three's enough. Which uh, in the book, I think he calls it Twain. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. He's like three is oh. enough with with these Twain. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know there was a word for three. Uh, but yeah, he's like three is enough. We're gonna go, and uh, he he speaks up a little bit about about Brandier, and he tries to build him up a little bit, but also gives him kind of some rude rude remarks. He he told him that they needed to go in haste with strong limbs. Which I imagine has yeah. to be a slight it, towards Brandier. It's a slight like, of Brandier um, for sure. Like Mr. Lame here, he can't come with us. So like we need to go fast with strong limbs. But then he he tries to affirm Brandier and he's like, you know, Brandier, you're a wise man. You can stay here. It's okay. You're a healer. There's probably gonna be a lot of need for counsel and healing before long. And again, Brandier's just like, this is stupid. Like, I can't believe anyone's listening to this guy. And so he told Dorlas, he's like, I don't, I don't like this. And he cautions Hunthor about the shadow that lies on Turin. Uh, Brandir, from the very beginning, has always had this sense of darkness on Turin. And he, he doesn't necessarily know exactly who he is, but there's always he been does. a shadow. He knows he who does. Turin is. Yeah, he, remember he, uh, he begged him not to say anything, and then he betrayed him. Yeah. Well, yeah, he knew he was the, he was the black sword of Nargothron, but I, I don't know if he knew all the way back to the beginning of like Turin because he's had so many names up at this point. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe may, you're right. Yeah, but may, I don't know. That's a good question. Either, either way, he again is seeing the shadow of Turin just kind of being exposed and he feels really, really bad about this whole thing. And he, he tells Hunthor like, go if you want, but I don't, I don't think it's going to go well. There's a shadow on this guy and it's not going to leave him. Yeah. Um, just a real quick aside, I googled it. Twain is actually a term for two. So if he said with this Twain, he must have been referring to with just these the two, two of them um, okay. and then himself. So I, I was like, I I mean, I know of Mark <laughs> Twain, but I didn't know that he had a personality. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a I, I just thought it was weird. I'd never, uh, <laughs> never heard that before. <laughs> Sam doesn't catch the dad joke. That's okay. Um, I'm almost there. Just give me a couple months. I know, and then maybe you'll get it. Uh, so back <laughs> on the story here, uh, Turin actually went to say farewell to his sister, his wife, his his uh, niece or nephew, plus child. Um, anyways, he goes <laughs> to say goodbye to them, uh, and she basically begs him not to go. She's like, quit. Don't try to challenge the shadow that you've been running from. Like, Instead, take me. Let's run away. I'm pregnant with our child. Let's just get out of here. Let's keep running. Let's not confront the shadow. And Turin basically says that even if he did do that, he would be abandoning people that basically saved his life and befriended them. And um, and there's really no chance of them surviving in the wild with a brand new baby and you know give, having to give birth and everything like that. And he basically just says nothing but death will come to her, her child. And he says, take heart. Like, don't don't be too upset about this i mean and then he actually gives a little bit of a prophecy but in a weird roundabout way he tries to comfort her and he says neither you nor i shall be slain by this dragon nor by any of the foes of the north 
the Ninial ceased to weep and fell silent, but her kiss was cold as they parted. So let me read that again, because this is prophetic and true. Hmm. Neither you nor I shall be slain by this dragon, nor by any of the foes of the north. So I'm going to leave that right there. We'll visit. I was going to say stop. Yeah, we'll revisit (laughs) that in uh, the next couple of chapters. But just keep that in mind, because it is prophetic. Hmm. Uh, so at this point, the, the three companions, Tour and Durlas and Hunthor, they depart quickly and they head to the falls of the Celebros, which I had to look up because it's not on any of the maps that um, I've seen. But I guess it's a stream that feeds the river Tagling, on the, which is on the west side of the Forest of Brethil. Um, and so at this point, when they're over to the, at those falls, Turin's thinking to himself, he's trying to predict, you know, wh- which way is Glaurun coming? Is he still coming in that straight line? And like I said earlier, he's completely relying, his whole plan relies on, uh, on Glaurung to carry over in that straight line and not deviate from it. And so his mind turns to the Hodden and Eleth, which is where... Finduilas was buried, and so he kind of thinks to himself, and he said, Can it be that one so evil shuns the crossing? Does Finduilas still lie between me and my doom? Which is a very interesting to think about, Sam. Do you think that Glaurung himself is is avoiding the crossings because of that's where Finduilas is buried? Or do you think that he's just the father of dragons and he's going from A to B in a straight line? What What do you think? Yeah, I'd say probably the latter. Um, I think he's just, he probably doesn't care that much about uh, the mound where Fenduilas is laid. Obviously, like the orcs wouldn't go near it because for the longest time, Turin would protect, protect that and they right. knew that was not a place where they were allowed to go. But <clears throat> just knowing the the confidence that Glaurong has in himself and the prowess that he has, I don't think he necessarily cares about it. But it is an interesting thought that Turin has and going all the way back to when Gwyndor says like, if you tarry for Fenduilas, like your, your doom is sealed. And so I think he still has that in his mind of like, Oh gosh, like she's still, I don't know. Is this, is is she keeping him from going this way? Is this going to work in my favor or is this going to make it worse? I I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. It's almost one of those things that Tolkien just kind of leaves up for interpretation because he puts that little bit of like thought process in the book, but he doesn't explain it. So you're like, I don't know. Yeah. He just, he just moves on. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Anyways, uh, so after some discord and some planning and discussion about what they want to do, uh, the trio decides to make for Cabin and Eris, uh and meet the dragon there. And Dorlas actually knew the land better than anyone, the land of Brethil. He had fought, he had grown up, this was his home, and he knew everything about it and he knew was very dismayed when Turin finally decided this is where we're going because it was a very grim place um so Turin speaks to his companions about the plan and he in in this particular place which is probably why uh Dorlas is dismayed by it but it's a he thinks that this is where the dragon is going to cross the river Tagling, and in this particular place it just happens to be a very deep ravine with incredibly fast flowing water and rocks at the bottom of this ravine. So it's not super wide, uh, but it's it's very deep, it's very steep, and it's dangerous if, if you fall in. And when Turin's companions question him about how the dragon would cross, they're like, well, he's not going to go down, cross the river, climb back up. It's, it's not wide enough for that, and he's a massive dragon. Like, how's he going to get across? And Turin basically says, I think he's going to, I think he's going to try to jump, jump across. He's going to, you know, stand up on his hind legs and lurch forward and see if he can make it. And he actually reminds the group of them about uh, uh, like a folk tale or a legend about a deer that had jumped over this, this particular spot when uh, they were, when the deer was being hunted. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm I'm wondering, I've wondered this the whole whole book. So Glaurung doesn't have wings. Is that is that right? That's correct. Yeah, he, he can't he can't fly. Okay, because I don't know if that was ever like specified. But I mean, I just assume why not just fly over? <laughs> but yeah, it's making yeah. Sense. So yeah. so to go right along that point, Glaurung is the father of dragons. I don't know if. Uh, if Tolkien explicitly states that in this book, but 
I guess you're kind of supposed to know who Glaurung is by now, mm -hmm. uh, if you've re read Tolkien. And so he's the father of dragons. He is the first dragon. And uh, he's of the Uraloki, is what they're called in Quenya, which means fire drake. So he can breathe yeah, fire, okay. but he isn't winged. He's not a winged dragon yet. So he's not a fire drake, a winged fire drake like Smaug in the Third Age. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he can't fly. He has he has four legs, and that's how he gets along, gets around. He's mm -hmm. got a giant long tail. He's got the fire breathing. He's got you know this incredibly strong scales, but he gets around on four legs. Interesting. Okay, well, I appreciate yeah. that. So yeah, yeah. Um, so they're trying to figure out how is he going to get across, and Turin basically says like, if you can picture you know a ravine, he's going to get up on his hind legs, try to lurch forward and jump across as best as he can. And in doing this, this is where Turin's whole plan relies, is that he's got a really soft underbelly, and he's hoping that the three of them will be able to stab upward as the dragon is vulnerable uh, and splitting splitting the, the, what would you call it, the gap. Yeah. As, as he's stretched across the gap, his underbelly will be exposed, and that's when these three are planning to strike. That's Turin's whole plan about how to do this. So that's why it was so reliant on on Gort or on a Glaurung going in that straight line because if he deviated off and crossed in a place that wasn't conducive to stabbing him upwards, there's no chance that they'd survive this. I'm um, very glad that you explained that because I read that and I I was like, this is kind of weird. Like, I don't really understand why is he talking about how like can he go up and down and all around? Like, I really have no idea that that was his plan <laughs> even after reading it. So. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're welcome. And I read this twice. Like I read it once, just straight <laughs> through, and then I read it again to write out the doc, and yeah, I still didn't catch it. But that makes sense. That's, yeah, it was it was nice when you wrote most of the doc, and I was like, okay, here's where I can add some context. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, that's good. So yeah, basically, to just kind of summarize, Turin's plan is they're on one side, Glaurung's on the other. They know Glaurung's going to try to get to their side. What he's going to do is. At the perfect time, all three of them are going to climb down this ravine to the bottom, and then they're going to cross mm -hmm. the River Tagling, where the water is basically, I just, I imagine like a mountain stream, you know, or yeah. not stream, but a mountain river where the water is rushing incredibly quick, and there's rapids and rocks everywhere, and if you fall in, you're, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I imagine, and so they're going to cross that by night, which is considered basically a suicide mission. And then they're mm -hmm. going to climb up the other side and just hope to God that Glaurung doesn't smell or see them before he tries to jump across. And then, you know, at that point, you're stabbing upward into his belly towards, you know, his head's on the other side. So you're not as yeah, vulnerable yeah. as if you stayed on the other side. So that's kind of... Got it. I, I mean, it's it's a it's a ballsy plan. We'll say that. Uh-huh. For, sure. um, For sure. So that's kind of that's the plan. And we'll see <laughs> if it ends up working out here in a little bit. Yeah, unfortunately, um, even though the chapter name coming of Glaurong, uh, we do not get to see that portion of the fight just yet. We shift back over to Nino, who stayed behind. And she's obviously distraught. You know, she has just found the love of her life and she's with child and like life has been really good the last couple months. You know, she's really enjoyed living with the family and now now her husband's gone. Yeah, and keep in mind, too, that she is still suffering from amnesia from her entire life prior. So it's not like, oh, yeah. she found the love of her life. She, This is her entire life that she can mm. remember. That's a good point. That's a really good yeah. point. Yeah. So she's kind of distraught. And, you know, our, our buddy Brandier, he has the hots for her still, even though she's now married. <laughs> and so he, he's like, I'll go comfort her. I'll go make her feel better. And so he comes to her, kind of limps over to her and, you know, just was kind of asking her like what's going on oh hey hey don't don't worry you know don't worry until there's something to worry about which actually isn't horrible advice you know like if, until sure. we actually know Turin's dead don't worry about it you know like you don't have to worry about that and but then he has to he just feels the need to slip in a little i told you so you know he told he he told her like obviously you're distraught and you know i told you if you waited to say yes to his proposal you'd be fine and yeah. she's like well, what do you mean it'd be fine like i it wouldn't have mattered. Like either way, whether I married him or not, I'd be just as sad. I'd feel just as heartbroken. I'd worry just as much, you know, even though I have a child now with him, like it doesn't matter. I'm still super afraid and scared and sad. Like it, she's like, I don't really understand what you're saying. And he, he's like, 
yeah, I guess I don't understand either. But then he says, <laughs> and I'm afraid. And so he like all this attempts at being like a comforter to make her feel better. He's like, you know, I don't even understand what I'm talking about, <laughs> which happens to me and Ariel all the time. You know, like I'll try to comfort her. I'll try to say something. And she's like, that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, you, you're right. That, that, that doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. <laughs> kind of just talk <laughs> like yourself of... in circles trying to help them see it from a yeah. different perspective to the point where you don't even remember your point in the first place. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah, so there. so that's kind of he's like you know he's like i i don't understand either what i was trying to say but then he's like i'm afraid and she's like well what a comforter you are like you're a terrible comforter how is that supposed to make me feel better and she goes on to tell him like how am i supposed to just sit back and just wait for tidings how am i supposed to just wait and assume that you know turin's gonna be or turin bar at this point you know is gonna be the valiant warrior that i think he is and, and actually beat his fate and and d- gain victory over his his doom and so she decides you know what i can't do it i can't sit back and wait so i'm gonna go forward and i'm gonna seek tidings um from turin and brander's like no this is something you must not do and he's been telling people this the entire time he's been telling people don't don't listen to turin don't follow turin don't go where he's going don't fight the battle he's fighting but she's like no i'm not gonna stick around and wait i'm gonna go and and see if i can find turin like tidings of Turin and so as she's leaving there's still a bunch of people gathered around from Turin's speech and that whole thing that happened earlier and so she does a little speech of her own she's like hey who's coming with me you know are we really gonna sit back and wait for for this to just happen whether it's the dragon that comes back or somebody else comes back saying that they won like who's coming with me I'm gonna go seek Turin out I'm gonna go seek out the the tidings and this surprisingly worked out better than Turin's speech because <laughs> she pretty much says like if Turin dies Y'all are going to die too. You have no hope. So how about come with me and let's just find out firsthand. And, you know, a lot of people actually said yes. You know, many of them said yes to her because, you know, she was, they had pity for her. Some of them said yes to her because they wanted to see what they'd heard about the rumors of the dragon and the, and the splendor that he had. And um, along, along with those that went with her were the wives of Hunthor and of Dorlos as well. And, and so they kind of set out towards, towards the dragon. And uh, it's, it's interesting that you know most people believe that two are going to be able to conquer the dragon just from what they've seen so far you know yeah. the, the entire army is getting beaten back and as soon as turin grabs his sword again boom they're winning the fight again like they they know how how good of a, a fighter he is but when they arrived to ningirith which i'm not entirely sure where that is in the whole schemes like turin was just there he left and then they get there a little bit after he left but i kind of picture as again it doesn't really show up in the maps that i have and so it's hard for me to really understand where it is necessarily but it's like a hill where they can overlook and see for a long way so i kind of think of like okay. the watchtower of amansul type of thing sure okay yeah so they, they, they get to this spot and nightfall had come and i love how tolkien puts this he says night is a cold counselor and many were now amazed at their own rashness which i've been in this situation before like i've been mm. on you know, backpacking trips and snow caving trips. Uh, one specifically that I remember with Steven and Uncle Curtis and Caleb, like we went, we hiked in during the day and we were in good spirits. We were getting well and we started making our snow cave. But as it got darker and darker, like it was, I, I started getting terrified because again, we're in the middle of nowhere. Like our plan is to sleep in the snow, in the snow cave. And it's, it's getting darker. It's getting so much colder and you're not moving because you're not hiking anymore. So now you're getting colder and you know, that, that, what he says night is a cold counselor absolutely yeah. like i started just getting scared and like regretting my decision to come here in the first place like why did i agree to this this is dumb why am i out in the middle of nowhere digging my home in a snow cave for the night like this is stupid i love the trip it was a great trip caleb I, I know you're listening probably it was a great time i look back on it with fondness and i enjoy it but you know as it gets pitch black there and you don't have your you don't have your home where you can just flip on the lights you don't have your heater or anything like that yeah I totally get what they're saying. And, and I love how they're just amazed at their own rashness. Like I cannot believe I said yes to this. I cannot believe that I decided to go out here and chase after this, uh, with this crazy lady. (laughs) It's like when somebody convinces me to stay up past nine (laughs) o'clock. Why in the world did I stay up past nine (laughs) o'clock? I totally get that. (laughs) So, you know, they're again, amazed at their own, uh, rashness and then they look out towards that other mountain that Seth was talking about the the cabaneras and they don't see any fire you know from the dragon they don't hear any fighting from Turin or anyone else and so they just like assume okay nothing's happened yet and then Tolkien as before he switches back he he talks about a shuddering 
that came over Niniel, like a sudden shuddering that came over her. And she sat apart from the others. And I don't really know what that is. It, I mean, obviously, it was yeah. probably getting cold. It's a spring night right after winter. It's probably chilly. But there's something yeah. going on with her. It's deeper than that. And to, yeah. Tolkien, he doesn't explain it. But I almost wonder if it's just an impending sense of doom about what's about to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, just Her this worry. Senses are tingling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just the anxiety coming uh, full swing on her. And then the final little bit of the, the chapter actually swings back to uh, Brandir, back in Ethel Brandir. He's looking around, seeing that nobody's listening to him. Nobody's heeding his counsel. And so whoever's left, he cries out to them. He's like, you know what? I'm done. Find another leader. Choose somebody else to lead you guys. Nobody listens to me. I'm done trying. I renounce people and name. And he's like, I'm renouncing yeah. you guys. And I'm renouncing my own name as, as son of Handir, of the man of uh, Haleth. Like, I'm done. So he actually breaks his staff, which I imagine is like a symbolic thing. Like, you know, Moses had his staff that he led sure. with. So it's just kind of very symbolic. Like, this was my token of leading. I'm snapping that in half, throwing it away. I've got nothing to live for anymore. Except... Again, he's still got the hots for this Niniel lady. And so he's like, you know what? I got nothing else but the love I have for Niniel. And so he decides to himself, he thinks to himself, I'll, I'll just go wherever she goes. And he straps on a sword and he thinks, you know, maybe I'll be able to keep her from harm's way if, if possible. I'll ward off some evil, uh, maybe. And so he sped off into the direction of Niniel, limping as he went. Um, and that's the, the end of the chapter, the coming of Glaurung. Glaurung didn't really come but uh, it's okay. Yeah, it's kind of, it, I mean, it, it's a chapter that, yeah, there's only two chapters left, but it sets up the ending of the book. I mean, it yeah. really is heavy in the dialogue, which is helpful because you understand people's intentions and everything that's at stake here uh, with that dialogue, which we didn't really give a lot of quotes this time, but man, there's a lot of really cool quotes that are in this um, in this chapter, but it's, you know, it's it's all coming to a screeching halt here in about two chapters. And yeah, just remember what I said about that Turin being prophetic. Um, we'll come back yeah. to that next week. Yeah. Well, and as, as you're reading along, too, I hope you do get to read through all that dialogue. And um, like I said, I read it twice and I enjoyed the chapter. But as you're typing it out, you're like, OK, we can't just like read word for word every, everything right. that everybody is saying. And so. You know, maybe it seems like it was a very quick overview of the chapter, but uh, yeah, well, I encourage you to go back and read, read it, read it through. Yeah. And part of it is, man, you can taste this climax to the book and you're yeah. just like, come on, let's get through this. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, all right, I want to see, I want to see the showdown. I want to see, you know, Glaurung Turin part two. Yep. Yep. Wrath of Turin or something. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of something clever, but. I'm not good at that. So next time yeah. it's all good. Next time. Any final thoughts? Uh not really any final thoughts so far. Uh, but a final request. This was I was thinking about this while we were talking uh today. It'd be really nice to read one review from somebody on Spotify. I we don't yeah. have any any five-star reviews, but if we can get one, even if you don't listen on Spotify very often, just give us a review. It can be a one star if you want it to be. Um Tell us how handsome I am and how you can't understand Sam and how he's even, you know, doing this podcast. But whatever it wow. may be, leave us a review on Spotify and we'll <laughs> read it. Or just be honest, like the other people that have left reviews in the past and talking about how uh, Seth is very arrogant and uh, how you enjoy the soft, soothing, a little bit higher pitched voice of me coming you know, through a much better microphone. Um, that it That is true, Sam. You, you do have a very soothing voice, which is probably why you've been told that you have a face for podcasts. <laughs> I've never been told that, candidly, <laughs> but that was really good. That was, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, this is why we do it right here. This is yep, the fun. Yep. This is where the magic happens. <laughs>
Um, as Seth alluded to, we do call for aid. Gondor's calling for aid, uh, so we're breaking in the halls of Metaseld and we're shouting, Gondor calls for aid, will you, Rohan, answer? And you can do that just like Seth said. If you enjoy the podcast, light a beacon of your own by sharing it with your friends and fellow fans of Tolkien, but also don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, leave us that review that Seth is talking about, even if it's about how Seth's hair just doesn't look very good anymore. It's a little greasy, but whatever you want to tell us, just give us your thoughts. We'd love to hear your reviews. And uh, again, always share your token story to us uh email it to weckpodcast at gmail.com and we will read it here on the podcast again big thanks to uh, andrew who already uh, answered us and uh given us some aid for uh from yes indeed from gondor but uh yeah we appreciate you andrew again next episode is going to be a very climactic episode with uh, i can't t- i'm not going to say the the chapter name because that would give it away heaven forbid they turn one page sam <laughs> it'll be a very we'll just say the showdown between Glaurung and Turin I'll say that I'm not trying to rewrite Tolkien's chapter names but we'll say the showdown between Glaurung and Turin it'll be epic but until then we thank you for joining us for some well-earned comforts we bid you a very fond farewell